Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is Sunday fun day here over at the Kanika Baseball Podcast. We are back. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning. Good morning to our new and returning listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And how are you, Kenny? I'm pretty good. Yes, we have some new listeners as the charts are showing, so welcome to our humble abode here. We are just talking baseball four times a week, including Sundays. Sundays is kind of more of a a quick in and out job because we have games starting really fast over here on the West Coast. I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If, if you're not doing sports on the West Coast, you, you're really missing out on one of the more beautiful things in life. For example, today we have 9 a.m. baseball and, and you just don't get that in other parts of the world, you know? For example, in New York, it's it's going to be noon when those games start and, and you've already lost like a, a big chunk of the day. So I, I really love that sports get started early on the West Coast. You know, I love that NFL that's right around the corner, by the way, mm-hmm. will be uh, those games start at 10 a.m. over here. And and the other great thing about this is, of course, at the end of the night, you, you don't necessarily have those 10, 30, 11 o'clock finishes. You know, everything's usually wrapped up by 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and you have a little bit of time to wind down before bed. So, I love West Coast sports. I love it. Well, we have a great show for everybody planned today. It is Sunday, as I mentioned, and we've got a lot of rubber matchups on the line. We've got some sweeps in in progress, potentially, and we've got intensity on the baseball field, folks. And, well, let's just start with what everyone is talking about this morning and the uh, fight night last night in Cleveland, the city of rock and roll. We had a little bit of a fight night out there on the field between the White Sox and the Guardians. Yeah, that's a nice boxing bell. In case you haven't seen it by now, the Guardians' Jose Ramirez and White Sox player Tim Anderson literally threw down their their dukes, I guess, or put up their dukes, as they say. And they, they just basically, like, squared off in the middle of, well, the second base area of the field. The benches and the dugouts and the bullpens and everything emptied out very quickly. There was mass chaos on the field for probably 10 to 15 minutes. If you go through the video, you know, Ramirez and and Anderson throw a few punches at each other before Ramirez just landed a very, I don't know, I, I, I feel like it was a lucky shot. He was flailing backwards. He was flailing, he was punching like a spaz. And, and he just happened to land a lucky right haymaker on Anderson. And it looked bad because Anderson kind of looked like ass. he knocked out, you know. He it, it looked bad. Uh, he landed on his ass, and he was hot after that. He was. Like, and I, I mean, rightfully so. Like I said, I don't think Ramirez, like, was out fighting him or anything crazy no. like that. It was a crazy, wild, lucky punch, you yeah. know. 
and I think that's what made Anderson mad more than anything. And it took him a while to get him off the field. Oh, he came back. He wanted him. he wanted seconds. Yeah, but this this whole incident didn't end necessarily there because no. then more players started fighting. Uh, Emmanuel Clace, the closer for the Guardians, he wound up getting tossed. Anderson and Ramirez got tossed, by the way. Six people got tossed. The White Sox manager and Cleveland manager Terry Francona got tossed. And the third base uh, coach. coach got yeah, tossed so as well. Yeah, so Cleveland got two coaches, or, well, a coach and a manager and two players. And the White Sox got just a player and a coach. Yeah. And then it looked like kind of Eloy Jimenez was hurt out there after the, and luckily he stayed in the game. I think, you know, one of the most injury prone players in all of baseball, you see him go down after a fight on the field and you're like, oh, good God. Anyways, so we had this long intermission here and everyone was talking about it. And having watched this play quite a few times now, well, there was some backstory, right? There was yes. some some incident that happened on Friday night's game where where Tim Anderson was apparently using his mitt to like force somebody's hand off of a off of the base or or whatever. He was mouthing off a lot th- through the whole series. Either way, that got back to Ramirez, I yeah. feel like. And now, having said that, I've watched this play a lot. I've watched it on social media a lot. I've seen a lot of people react to it. And I think, personally, Tim Anderson is getting, like, the brunt end of the stick on this one. I feel like Ramirez way overreacted to what was happening in this particular moment on the field. And I feel like he instigated the entire thing. You know, I I didn't see anything other than you could maybe argue that Anderson made a hard tag. But I'm sorry, you're sliding headfirst into second base. You're making that decision, too, as a player. And if you don't think you're going to get your head knocked around every now and again on a close play because a player's trying to their hardest to tag you, you know, like you don't have a right to second base. You know, they got a right to play defense, too. Well, it's not a perfect game. You know, like we saw the catcher for the Dodgers hit Hassan Kim in the ribs the other night on a throw to second just because the fielder missed it and it hit him. You know, it's a game where you're put constantly in a place where you can get collisions and injuries or whatever you know like you're gonna get knocked around a little bit out there if you want to especially if you're sliding in head first it's a physical sport come on it is despite the fact that people say like oh baseball is for like lazy players and stuff but i don't care this whole thing started the night before so this was just continuation and escalation both parties are guilty there's well you said it started the night before um we found some sound from Cleveland manager Terry Francona last night after this whole incident and uh, I think it's a good time to play it now because it sums up a lot of the thoughts about what happened. The, uh, the melee, just your side of what you saw what you heard. What oh boy, I, I, I'm not sure I know everything. Um, you know, or before it started, I know that Anderson and was yelling at Arias because I mean the um, you could, I think the umpire went and told him to knock it off, and then when Jose slid in the second, I think Jose felt like he kind of stood over him, you know, and things got got away from everybody. I know I hate bringing up last night. I know guys didn't like it. he knocked him off the bat last night. It was just how that was handled. How much do you think you know like that? I, I don't know. It's not supposed to. Um, I, I, re- I really don't know. It looked like you were yelling at their manager. 
Well, I, I think it was think he was more yelling at me, and then I kind of yelled back. So I don't you even. You guys got ejected. I didn't get ejected out there. He did. I got ejected after. I think I got ejected because of what I did last night. Because <laughs> I didn't get ejected when I was out there. So you got. You don't know if you got ejected? No, I did it afterwards when they came over. <laughs> okay, well, uh, as you heard there, he was clearly kind of still confused as to, like, what happened out there and how this all got blown out of proportion. And, you know, I kind of equate this to, like, you know, he can't say anything incriminating here about Ramirez because he's doing an investigation yeah. and anything he could say at this point could be maybe used against him or his player in that investigation. Yeah, he uh, only wanted to take sides, and that's fair, you know? For sure. I just think, like, the way Ramirez reacted, you know, this was almost premeditated in a sense, where it's like he was just waiting for an opportunity to go after Anderson about Because maybe the night before, he was mad that he heard about, the, uh, he's trying to swipe our hands off the... Yeah, there's a lot of things that went into it, and this was the end result, the fight. Whether it happened yesterday, or it might have happened today, because this is the last... It was last bound to happen. It was bound to happen. Yeah. Um, but anyways, quick turnaround for them. They are getting going, as we said, at 9 o'clock uh, West Coast time. That's noon Eastern time over in Cleveland. So Early we'll see game. if the tempers have calmed down. We'll see who's in the lineup today. Oh, that'll be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is a free game on Peacock starting at 9 a.m. our yeah. time. Well, and there's going to be no suspensions handed out yet. So it'll be interesting to see who's in the lineup. Oh, they have to wait for the... Yeah, nevertheless, I don't expect Tim Anderson to be in there tonight. Not after the way he was dragged off the field, you know, and, and we didn't really talk about that, but he was, like, took half of his team, I think, to, like, drag him off the field, and then as the fight then continued between the managers and the jaw, you know, Anderson ran back out there to try to get second. He really wanted Ramirez after that sucker punch, I think. And, and you can say it wasn't a sucker punch all you want, but, like, when you're flailing your arms like that, and if you've ever been in a fight with anybody, going back to the playground at school, you know, like, if you're fighting against that guy whose arms are flailing like that, you know, it's like it's almost like, give me a break, man. You're just spazzing out over there. You're not fighting me. So Anderson is not on the lineup, but Ramirez is in the lineup. Yeah, I'm not surprised about either one. And And to be honest, I think I'll be really surprised when MLB hands down their discipline on this because I have a feeling that they're going to make Tim Anderson out to be the bad guy in this situation. And I don't think he was, but he's just an easier target this year. He's slumping. He's had some weird quotes on the some of the Chicago radio uh, about his contract future with the White Sox. I don't think he's in a good place, you know, mentally right now. He's he's really struggling, and I'm really surprised the White Sox didn't move him. I think anyone in the Major League Baseball that needed a change of scenery, it was Tim Anderson. I I wonder if it's really telling that they couldn't move him. I wonder Maybe there was no interest. You well, know. there were teams that needed middle infielders like the yeah. Marlins, and and were one of the teams I know that he was maybe rumored to go to. Anyways. Well, he's at the end of his contract with the White I know, Sox to, I know. this year. Yeah. Maybe he was asking for too much money. He's making 12 and a half millions for a position player. Yeah, it's kind of a fall from grace in a way. You had this kid, for all intents and purposes, who hit that game-winning home run at the Field of Dreams game, you know, the walk-off. It's, it's on all the time when they play the highlights from MLB on MLB TV. So it, it's a classic moment now. You know, he's got a club option. Maybe he wants to stay with the White Sox. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with him. You know, not all is right, though, in the land of Tim Anderson and the White Sox. And I think a lot of that stems from this, at least what we saw on the field last night. 
the frustration coming out. But I don't think he started this incident last night. I think Jose Ramirez is the one that stood up and pointed a finger in Tim Anderson's face. And then the umpire tried to separate them. And then the fists came up pretty much at the same time from both guys. I, I didn't see Tim Anderson being... I'm going to fight you, and then Ramirez putting his hands up. I saw it happen at the same time from both guys. And, you know, I hope MLB looks really close at this video and walks away with the same conclusions that I have, is that Ramirez, in this moment of this game, instigated this incident that caused the spillage of people onto the field. Okay. That's all. That's what it looked like 100% to me. Okay. I'm not saying the incident didn't happen the night before with Anderson. I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of precursor to this whole incident, but I'm just saying in this particular moment, when you watch Ramirez is from start to finish, from the time he slides to the time they get separated or whatever, he clearly seems to be the aggressor. Okay. They should have their review most likely this coming Monday or Tuesday. They're not going to wait long. Okay. Well, we got to keep moving on the show here. Uh, we'll see what happens with the fallout. Uh, between Tim Anderson and Ramirez and the coaches and everyone that was involved in this, you know, there might be guys that didn't get ejected that get suspended later because of something that MLB sees on the video. Sure. It could happen. All right. We got to move on because we had a lot of games yesterday to get through. Uh, and we're going to start in New York or we're going to go to New York next, I should say. And uh, we're going to check in on Justin Verlander. He started for the Astros yesterday at Yankee Stadium and he did Justin Verlander things. Seven innings pitched, uh, only giving up two earned runs. But nevertheless, it was not enough. New York wins the game 3-1. to one. So they spoil Verlander's first game with the Astros back. But the Astros got to be feeling pretty good that they got seven innings and two earned runs out of Justin Verlander. And, oh, by the way, these Houston Astros are getting very healthy this week. Today, starting, they have Jose Urquidy on the mound, uh, and the Yankees are tossing up Rund Radon. So good pitching matchup for this rubber match in Yankee Stadium today. And moving right along, uh, we'll stay on the Eastern time zone and head to Detroit, where the Rays and the Tigers have now split the first two games of their series. Watch out for the Tigers. You know, they're going to be spoiling a lot of teams in the second half of the season. We've talked about their young talent, like Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Both of these guys are playing really good. And so we'll see what happens with uh, this rubber match here. But the Rays continue to struggle into the month of August. You know, one of the themes that you're going to see throughout this rundown by the way is a lot of the games we spoke about on Friday's show as being like sort of not must win games but basically like games teams should win well there's been a little bit of a, a struggle in Neverland with some of those games we'll be getting to that throughout this but the Rays and the Tigers is definitely one of those games and we sort of had Cleveland and the White Sox in there the White Sox won last night by the way Cleveland won, won the too. first game so they have a rubber match today too yeah so Cleveland White Sox rubber match Astros-Yankees rubber match and Rays-Tigers rubber match today in the American League. Now, I want to turn our attentions to the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Uh, they've been playing at Fenway, and the Blue Jays have finally made some headway with their divisional opponents this year. They've taken the first two games in Boston. They are going for the sweep today, and they are going to do it with Chris Bassett on the mound, one of their... Uh, you know, he's got a 4.0 ERA this year, but he is also 10-6, and six, so... We'll see what he's able to do. Boston has Brennan Bernardino on the mound today. He is 1-1 one one with a 2.72 ERA. So we will be following that matchup. And the Orioles are looking to sweep the Mets today. Quintana on the mound for the Mets. There's a ton of sighting, everybody. Jose Quintana out there. He'll be pitching against, is it 
Kyle Bradish for the Orioles. So yes, Kyle. Um, I I don't know Kyle Bradish very well, but by looking at his little picture, he looks like a young man, and I'm not surprised since he's on the Orioles. Okay, uh, wow, what is happening in Arizona? Arizona has now lost five games in a row. They are on the verge of being swept by the Twins today. They are getting their ace on the mound. Zach Gallon is going for them, and it looks like. Is, am I reading this right, that Dallas Keuchel is making his first start of the season? Yep. Uh, was he injured? I I don't know my Dallas Keuchel history right now, but the 35-year-old is making his seasonal debut today for the Twins. Boy, that's probably something that the Twins are looking at. If it goes well, it could very well bolster their pitching rotation heading down the stretch. Dallas Keuchel's no slouch. He has played for Houston, Atlanta, and the White Sox before landing in the Twins. You know, he's 101 and 91 for his career. So uh, he hovers around a 4.0 ERA, 3.98 to be precise. And uh, yeah, so obviously a veteran here and someone that the Twins are hoping can eat some innings up for them down the stretch. We'll see how he does. But what is going on with the D-backs? I don't know. They are struggling. They got whomped last night. 12 to 1. As I said, they lost five in a row. And we're going to take a peek at the standings after we get through these games and woo. Things are are getting scary if you're a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah, Diamondbacks are just not doing well. I I don't know what it is. They just peaked too early. This is it for them. Yeah, I think they were playing over a little bit there yeah. themselves. It's not it's not an insult against them. And they have a, another young shortstop coming up through their system. But we we talked about how they didn't have a lot of moves to make, and I I don't think they made enough moves like like some other teams we're going to talk about at the trading deadline, and you're seeing it now. You know, the Twins got a little bit better. And, well, it, it is what it is. Arizona was never a contender. They came out swinging at the beginning, but Arizona is not going to be able to continue their hot streak for the whole season the way they've been doing at the beginning. Yeah, it, it's uh, also, I, I think, uh, we didn't know how the injury was going to affect Corbin Carroll and it seems to be you know like you don't hear his name as much every night you know I don't know how the stolen bases are doing because I don't watch every minute of the game but again I just go by what I hear and he had that walk-off hit recently but it seems like since then again it's gone quiet his batting average has been steadily dropping and it's tough yeah um, the league I, I I felt like you know at the all-star break if you'll remember I said it's a time for the league to sort of reevaluate everybody you know like oh man this guy we got to look at tape of him and find his weaknesses and once one team finds it it doesn't take long for a word to get out about like how to pitch this guy or whatever so tough challenges okay and then another team that's been skidding as of late is the marlins and they just ran into the red hot rangers once again the Rangers, after getting swept, by the way, last weekend in San Diego, since that happened, they have been back right back to winning. So looks like it was just a blip on the radar for the Rangers, and they are going to try and keep it going today against Sandy Alcantara on the mound for the Fish. He's been struggling. His last start was his best start of the season by far. So we'll see if he's able to put it together today. Another game that we're going to watch. We'll be watching all of them. And we're going to be seeing if Arise has uh, hit. Yes, Arise has been quiet but it's okay uh he still is leading the league and hitting all right well the rangers being red hot has been no help to the uh angels oh sorry before we get to anaheim really fast i want to mention that the giants somehow managed to lose their game at oakland last night they they have 
two games there this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They were both off on Friday, and this is because of this weird, like, rivalry rules that they went with this year, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. But basically, like, when the Cubs and White Sox play and the Yankees and the Mets play and all these, like, local matchup rivalry things, they only play two games each at each other's stadium, and that's because this year everybody plays everybody as regards to, like, interleague play. So that's why these series are only two games. That's why a few weeks ago, L.A. played L.A. <laughs> only two games before the All-Star break. They were off, like, the Sunday before the All-Star break. It was weird. And this is another one of those weird situations where both these teams were off on Friday night, and they are playing the wrap-up of their two-game set this afternoon. They have, let's see here, it looks like they have Cobb. Alex Cobb is going against uh, Luis Medina on the mound for the A's. So we'll see how that one wraps up. But I want to now turn our attentions to Anaheim where, oh boy, the Angels have just sort of had probably the worst week of their season. And this, of course, comes after like uh, a, a flurry, I would say, of moves by the Angels at the trading deadline. If you'll remember, they, they got the whole thing going by picking up Giolito sort of out of the blue before everyone else had a chance to... To think twice about it and it uh off? what's that are those trades paying off well I, I haven't seen like bad play i mean giolito's not winning on the mound yet but he's eating innings he's not losing the games for the angels i would say he only started once so yeah he started twice now oh twice okay so it's, it's not on him the whole team just sucks pretty much i mean that's that's a rough thing to say I just think they're playing or they're they're managing this team from their heart right now. They're like trying to appease Otani and be like, "See, look, we're going for it, man. We're we're really trying to win here." And at the same time, it's like you have your franchise is in such disarray. You have no farm system. Your best player has been more injury prone the last few seasons than in his previous few years and as he's getting older, that's going to happen. Well, are you talking about Mike Trout? I'm talking about Mike Trout. Yeah. I, I mean, if you remember, this hand injury that he has, he, he didn't even get hit. He he just swung the bat and was, like, feeling weird and awkward afterwards. And all of a sudden, he's on the DL for two months. And then has surgery. Right. So, so uh, you know, they're obviously missing him right now. And I, I don't know if they're going to stay in this. This is a huge moment in the season for them. And the, and all of a sudden, instead of rising up, they're they're rising down. And the Mariners have won the first three here. They're going for a four-game sweep today. I mean, if the Angels lose today, I'm, I'm basically saying their season's over. They're six games back in the wild card now. They're nine and a half games back in the division. They're just running out of room. They're running out of real estate. Unless they go on like a 10-game winning streak, which they haven't shown they're capable of doing. And by the way, they're going to play Texas and Houston and Seattle probably again. So it's not going to get any easier down the stretch for this team. Oh, no. Every single game right now till the playoffs is important. Seattle, on the other hand, I, I, I'm wondering if they made the right moves at the end of the deadline because for all intents and purposes, they're playing some of the best baseball in the American League right now. They are 8-2 and two over their last 10. They've got a four-game winning streak going into today. They've turned their runs scored versus runs against differential totally around they are now at a plus 46 they're ahead of the yankees boston and la in that category they're even ahead of minnesota so all all things considered you know the mariners have turned it around and are gonna try and make this playoff push they have really good young pitching still you can't count out seattle's young pitching so maybe they're gonna get hot at the right moment 
It seems like they are trying to right now. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Mariners are going to sweep today. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that gets us through the American League side of the of the uh, yellow pad that I got. And by the way, those games were all in American League stadiums, even though like the Marlins Rangers and the Mets and Orioles and D-backs and Twins were all interleague, but they were in American League stadiums. So I kind of put them on my AL side of my yellow pad, but I want to turn my attentions to the NL now. And hey, Nika. What are they singing over there in Chicago? Go Cubs, go. They're singing, go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Yes, that's right. It's that catchy theme song that you love to listen to if you're a Cubs fan, and if you're not, you probably hate it. They played it yesterday. They did. The Cubs evened up their series with Atlanta after kind of, uh, well, they got smoked on Friday. Eight to zip, I believe, was the final. The Cubs come back and win yesterday, eight to six. This one was kind of out of hand, although the Braves did try and make a late comeback. And I guess you can't ever count the Braves out of a game because, well, they're the Braves. But so they lost yesterday. They did. But the Braves also, I wanted to mention on Friday, became MLB's first 70-game winning team. They are the first team to reach 70 wins. So congratulations, Atlanta. And uh, I don't see the Braves falling off anytime soon this season. I see them coasting all the way to the playoffs. And once we get there, it's anybody's, anything can happen. But uh, I don't think Atlanta's got anything to worry about. They're going to win the top seat in the National League this year. Yeah, it's going to be hard to beat Atlanta this season. I don't know what team is capable of doing it. Just too well managed. So that's going on. And then uh, speaking of getting heated on the field, I wanted to move our attentions to San Diego. As listeners of our podcast will know, we we follow the Friar Faithful down in San Diego, definitely having a disappointing season for the Padres. However, we haven't been able to wave the white flag yet, despite numerous attempts and despite it even being physically in my hand at times, we haven't been able to wave the flag. And the reason is, is because as of this morning, the Padres basically godfather threeing me. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. It's a great analogy. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that we're going to hear this soundbite quite a few times this season on this podcast. It's an emotional roller coaster. It is. You know, I, I wanted to pause for one second and just say, I, I don't know who is managing Blake Schnell. But I, I feel like Blake Schnell has been all the rave of Major League Baseball lately when it comes to pitching. And, like, people look at him as this great starting pitcher since May or whenever his numbers started improving. I have a different opinion of Blake Schnell, and it's not personal, but dude just stresses me out watching him pitch. I, I can't watch him pitch. I don't feel like, this is just my opinion, but when I looked up in the game last night and saw his pitch count at 105 with two outs in the fifth inning, so he's not even got five complete innings, and he's at 105 pitches, way too much, you know. And this happens every time he pitches, yeah. every time. I, I've never seen him have a start where he's gone like seven innings and thrown 90 pitches. I don't think he pitched seven innings. I don't think he trusts his players. I, I guess I don't know what go goes through his head, you know, but like, Sooner or later, well, my personal opinion is, like, he doesn't have command of the game. He's not a strong starting pitcher, you know. He walked seven just a few starts ago in Toronto. I'm not a fan of this style of pitching, of this heavy laboring, I'm going to pitch around all of these hitters, you know. Like, don't be afraid to let them hit the ball, man. You have one of the best defenses in baseball behind you. The, the Padres literally, despite all their problems this year, are literally ranked one of the highest defensive teams in baseball. Yeah, trust your teammates. Yeah, you got to trust your teammates. I'm sorry, five innings, 100 pitches, that's your MO. 
And I don't think that makes you a good pitcher at all. I, I We've been saying this from the beginning. For some reason, whoever is talking about Blake Snell on TV, they always forget the little nuances of his pitching. Like the walks, how many pitches he pitches, how much he labors, how much he overthinks stuff. Mm-hmm. And that just gets overlooked. Yes. And it's just praise, praise, praise. Sure, he can pitch. Nobody's denying that. He's a lefty. He's a good pitcher when he gets everything aligned for him. Well, again, this is something with him that is a continued. We, we've seen it last year. We've seen it this year. I, I just don't know how no one's gotten to him as a coach yet and been like, hey, let's work on this. It, you would think that you would see improvement over a long period of time. The guy obviously has good stuff. I'm a left-handed pitcher. I want Blake Schnell to succeed. I'm a Padres fan. I, I want him to see him do well, but watching somebody labor and struggle and, and stress every time they're out, that that's not enjoyable to me. When's the last time Blake Schnell threw a game like Max Fried did on Friday against the Cubs? You never see it. You never see it from him. Yeah. Like, even when he has a couple good innings, like, he's always going to have that 30-pitch inning in a start, and that just screws your pitch count up. You can have 10 or 15 pitches in five innings, and now all of a sudden you throw a 30 pitch in there, you're at 115 pitches, 105 pitches, whatever. You're still, you're done. You're cooked for the night. I don't even know when he's gotten into the seventh inning. I don't remember him being you know, in the seventh inning. I, and it just baffles me. Well, speaking of head cases, uh, there is someone on the Dodgers that is a bit of a head case as oh, well. Case. And in Friday night's game, we had a little bit of a taste of what he's capable of. But uh, You're talking about Joe Kelly. I am talking about Joe Kelly and uh, the bat against Fernando Tatis. You know, he threw two of the balls, like, inside. The first one was on his hands, pretty close. Tatis dropped the bat. You know, I'm going to defend Fernando here a little bit and say that a lot of players have had hand injuries in the past couple years on inside pitches. And so I don't blame him for dropping the bat like that. And, you know, if people want to say he overreacted, I I don't care. I don't want his hand broken right now. Okay, sorry. I don't. And then, well, Joe but, Kelly... but then for the next pitch, though, to come in at his eyes after that, and then he strikes him out looking because Fernando's obviously like a little shaken up there with not knowing where this guy's balls are coming. Well, Joe Kelly throws hard balls. He's he throws a hundred. You know, yeah. he is a lot around hundred. Yeah, oh. I, I want to say a couple things about this incident in particular because Kelly, after Fernando struck out looking, Kelly got caught by world-famous lips readers, John Boy Media. But he got caught by John Boy saying, fucking bitch, afterwards. Like, mouthing it. Like, like he was calling Fernando a fucking bitch for, you know... I mean, and this is the guy who doesn't have to step in the batter's box and see it coming at him. Right. He just gets to be the deliverer. And so, you know, this led to a conversation between us about, like, what's the correct, you know, retaliation in this subject or in in this instance. I didn't see it in the game last night, but I would have thrown high and tight to Freddie Freeman last night and sent a message. I'm sure the ums would have issued in a warning right away, but I, I would have, I would have at least triggered the warning if I'm the Padres. I don't think Blake Schnell has the control to do it though. Unfortunately, you know, I don't think you can ask Blake Schnell to throw high and tight to Freddie Freeman and trust that he's not going to, like, plant one on his head. You know, he already broke Bryce Harper's hand last year. People forget with Blake Schnell. Yeah, Blake Schnell is not the pitcher that has command and control. So, nevertheless, to me, the way you handle the Fernando Tatis situation with Joe Kelly is that you throw high and tight to Mookie and Freddie Freeman. And, And why do you do that? Here's why. Because Freddie Freeman 
Oh, well, Joe Kelly will then have to answer to Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I don't want balls coming in at my head, so stop throwing at their heads, okay? That's how that works. Maybe. 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 I mean, I don't know what goes down. Well, as a baseball player, I'm telling you, okay. that's how it goes down. In, okay. and it's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And I would like to see a little bit more fight from the Padres in this. This isn't a rise above it situation. This is a I got your back situation, Fernando. Sure. If he goes in there against Kelly again, what's going to stop Kelly right now from doing the same damn thing the next time? Nothing. And also, I kind of want to say, because of Kelly getting caught by John Boy saying fucking bitch afterwards, I feel like that warrants a suspension. If you're intentionally throwing at a player's head, you're a dangerous person, Kelly. You got 100 miles an hour behind you, Kelly. You don't have to stand in the batter's box, Kelly, and take it. Okay. I'm sorry. If there's anyone that's a bitch in this situation, it's Joe Kelly. And the Dodgers better own the fact that they brought their little bitch boy back. You know, that's all fair statements. The best thing that Padres did yesterday was win the game. Absolutely. And we didn't talk about that yet. This game was looking awful. It was. Blake laboring. <laughs> Blake laboring. He gave up a couple of home runs. Like. A walk. Walks, we, home we runs. We couldn't watch it. <laughs> it was rough watching. And then all of a sudden, L.A. made a mistake. Yeah. You know, we, we got a couple of walks and then Juan Soto hit a, a little tapper and the second baseman tried to shovel it to Freddie and wound up throwing it past first base. We tied the game, but also opened the floodgates. If, if you were watching Friday night's game, a similar thing happened to the to Padres who were winning three to one the whole game. And then they kind of lost it in the eighth when they're usually dependable. Suarez came into the game. Bob Suarez, as they call Robert Suarez. Mm -hmm. Everyone's taken to calling him Bob lately. But yeah, he didn't have his best stuff. I thought he got left in the game too long, unfortunately. I, I don't like to see a reliever laboring at 30 pitches. I don't like to see Blake Schnell throw 30 pitches ever in an inning. So why would I want a reliever to do that? I don't know why they didn't kind of pull him out before it got out of hand. But Miss nevertheless, Matt. spilt milk at this point. This is a four-game series, folks. We got two more to play. We'll see what happens today. Old Graybeard on the mound today against uh, Lance Lynn. So Rich Hill making his Padres debut. Lance Lynn making his second start now for the Dodgers. I'm I'm excited for this one. I'm entertained. Let's go Friars. Let's go Friars. Okay, moving right along. The Brewers got a big walk-off win last night in Milwaukee. That they needed it. The Pirates came in and just crushed them in the opening game. Uh, I'm sorry, second game, 14 to one on Friday night. This was a four-game series as well that started on Thursday. So the Brewers, they are holding on by this thin margin over Cincinnati, and now the Cubs are coming in on the rear view as well. So that division is tightening up all around. Go. And I don't think it's tightening in the ways that everyone expected necessarily. Here come the Cubs, two and a half games out of the division lead. Cincinnati, one and a half games out of the division lead. I'm going to go out on a limb here on August 6th, and I predict that the Cubs will win the Central. Go, Cubs, go. Go, Cubs, go. And I also predict Milwaukee and Cincinnati are not going to make the playoffs. Oh, no. I'm writing it down so you don't, you cannot wiggle yourself out of it. No wiggling, everybody. <laughs> All right. Speaking of going for the sweep and speaking of struggling, what what's going on with Cincinnati? They are now lost five straight since those Cubbies brought the uh, football gear out on Tuesday, I believe, uh, when they won 20 to 8 or whatever it was. But yeah, ever since the, the, the slaughtering, I guess, at the hands of the Cubbies on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday, Thursday wasn't quite as big of a blowout, but the Cubs, that was a big series win for the Cubs after they dropped the first one against the Reds. And so now Milwaukee 
in turn, has dropped two straight at home to the lowly Nationals. Not what you want to do. This is what I was talking about earlier when I said these are the games that these teams are supposed to win, and then when you come out and not win them, you're not doing yourself any helpful favors at this point of the season, right? Washington has been playing a lot better. Of course, a lot of teams are yeah. because they're they're just getting better. They're they're calling up players. They're younger, but they're hungry. The Tigers are calling up young players that want to show they belong in the major leagues. So there's yeah, no easy play, games. They playing better as a unit. They got their kinks worked out already. Yeah, I mean, whenever you have a lot of young players like these teams do, they settle in. You know, it's also it's tough when you're on the other side of it, when you're like a young Reds team right now. And I stand by that the Reds did not do enough. To, they should have got Lance Lynn, honestly, or or somebody like that, another veteran pitching innings eater, because they're going to need it. And and I, I think they're going to struggle in the last two months of the season because of the fact that they're just not quite there. They don't have enough pitching depth. You, you see today, they got a, a guy making his major league debut today, Lion Richardson. Never pitched in the big leagues before. That's That, to me, shows you right there that they should have made at least one pitching move at the deadline. One. But they did not. They didn't want to give up their farm. Yeah, and like I said, that's why they remind me so much of last year's Orioles team. Like, last year's Orioles team was in a similar situation where they didn't want to give up their young players yet, and they felt that they were ahead of schedule. And I think the Reds are ahead of schedule right now, too, mostly because, you know, they got such a boost when De La Cruz got called up. So, though. If I'm a Reds fan, like I'm, I'm definitely happy and optimistic about the future, but I got to be realistic and honest about the team and, and this season, this season. So I don't see the Reds necessarily staying in it, unfortunately. And I also wanted to quickly mention that Andrew Abbott now has lost a few games in a row. He was like five and oh or six and oh at one point. He's dropped to six and three. I'm not concerned about Andrew Abbott. He's not going out there and giving up like tons of runs every time but it, it just shows you it's it's a up and down game for people especially at the beginning of their careers the league adjusts to you really fast you know they learn who you are they learn your mo and they learn Adjust. how to hit you you now have to make your second adjustment and learn what they've learned about you to become more unpredictable okay let's move it right along east coast to philadelphia and uh oh the Royale Cheese, as we call them over here. The Royals, they had a seven-game winning streak heading into this game yesterday, and they were winning 6-3 to three at one point late in the game, I believe in the sixth. But Philly was able to come back. It was little Trey Turner after the, the gesture of love, I'm going to call it, on Friday night, where uh, he he came up to bat for the first time, and I think he had made a, a bad play in the game before that had like cost them a game in, in Miami. Oh, yeah, the 10th inning fumble. Yeah, so there was like a lot of... He was getting a lot of heat, but then Philadelphia, a city that booed Santa Claus and is like known for being notoriously hard on their players, they kind of throw him this gesture of love, you know, city of brotherly love. They give him a standing ovation, kind of cheer him. They're trying to will him to become the Trey Turner that they signed to this big long-term contract. And he came through? He finally came through. He got a game-winning hit. Was so. that the three-run home run that he did? Was that the game? Yeah, I think that was the game. Let okay. me see here. I have no ill will towards Trey Turner. I know he's been struggling. He's booted all the way down to eighth in the batting order. He's got a 238 average, but two for four with four RBIs yesterday. And of course, that big home run, it's his 11th on the season only, but it was a big one. And the Royals winning streak is snapped at the hands of the Phillies. The Phillies are right in the middle of that wild card. They are two games up over the Reds. The Reds are hanging on to the final wildcard spot, but then they all get kind of bunched up there. You got 
Miami, half a game back. Cubs now over the Diamondbacks, one game back. Diamondbacks, one and a half games back. And the Padres, three games. despite all their misfortune and all their struggles this season with their high expectations and high payroll on the field, again, three games back and one game away from being 500. That's their motto all season, one game under 500. And that's why we just keep hearing Al Pacino. Just when I thought I was out. All right. Well, there's only other, one other game going on that we haven't mentioned, and that's the battle for uh, the worst going out in St. Louis right now. We have the Rockies visiting the Redbirds, and they are duking it out for last place in the National League. Oh, I'm sorry. The Nationals are ahead of the Redbirds. My bad, but just barely. Only a half a game. But anyways, I only bring this matchup up because it's inconsequential. It's happening, though. Did forget to mention one little nugget from the Phillies game. We, we watched Brandon Marsh take a dive I guess into the wall yesterday or a jump into the wall um and he he came up very gimpy his his knee was looking like it took the brunt of it the good news is is his x-rays were negative um and he's gonna get tested again this morning so I'm I'm guessing he's gonna be a little stiff though today it, yeah. it looked pretty bad and well, I mean, he walked off the field he wasn't driven he did that had to be an encouraging sign yeah. for the Philadelphia faithful but still he ran into that freaking wall like a bulldozer well, we've seen Judge and Jazz Chisholm this year both lose to the wall. You know, like a little guy, big guy. I think that's going to be... The wall will always win, guys. Don't tell Trump I said that. Okay, well, I think we got through all of the games from yesterday. Woo! Yeah, we got it. We got it covered. That was a mouthful, but, um, well, thanks for joining us on this uh, recap show on Sunday. And I uh, hope you're getting ready for a fun Sunday-filled baseball day over there the games are starting early today games are starting early and we will be right back here tomorrow morning to recap all of today's action for you and give you a preview to the week ahead of baseball as we head down the stretch here into the playoff run i think that's going to put a bow on this episode of the kanika baseball podcast but if you want to contact us you can feel free to do so our email address is kanika daily at gmail.com you can contact us there or you can find us on social media if you look for kanika baseball you will be able to find us on twitter on threads on x on facebook on tiktok on youtube am i missing anything over there I think you got it. Okay, so that's where you can find us on social media. And yeah, I just want to drop a note and say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with our show. We hope you enjoy some of the sonic improvements that we continue to sprinkle throughout. And uh, we are going to continue to do so. And yeah, we will be back, as I mentioned. We'll be right here tomorrow. This is Kenny. I'm going to sign off. And Nika, I'm going to sign off on the other. Have a wonderful rest of the Sunday. Absolutely. Adios, everybody. Enjoy the game. What you need.
up, you proceed. Cause this is what you need. 